Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we're on episode 136, Trust or Trickery. Kind of a different kind of title, I know, but hopefully you will understand why as we proceed. So for just a little background, we have spent the last few months talking about the life of King Saul, David, how they intertwine, how Jonathan fits into the puzzle. Last week, we talked about the goodbye between Jonathan and David. Uh, I highly suggest going back and listening to that. It was one that, for me, was very emotional, but that God really worked in the midst of it in my own heart. And I'm trusting that he's going to work in your life as well. This week we go on further on in the journey of David and King Saul. So David is going to be the next king of Israel. He is, he's God's man. And he knows this. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel as a young teen. He already knows that he is going to be the next king. But he loses sight of that at times. You know, the thing is, sometimes we all lose sight of the promises that God has given to us. You know, in realistic, in analytic terms, if David at every moment would have reminded himself, you're going to be the future king, that would have automatically meant that Saul could not kill him. King Saul was very, very jealous of David and was intent on killing him, so much so that he nearly killed his own son because he felt like Jonathan was protecting David. He had just lost it, and we're going to see just over and over again just how far out King Saul is. But today, we get a very rare glimpse into a season, short season, but a season in which David did not trust in God completely. So David is most famous for, number one, the battle with Goliath, where God won. David focused on the Lord of Heaven's armies. God took out Goliath, and David was named the victor. He was young. He was trusting in the Lord. He had seen God do amazing things with him as a young shepherd boy. He knew how God had protected him. And he was focused. But by this point in his life, he's on the run from King Saul. So I don't know about you, but have you ever had a time where you felt that your life was in danger? because of someone? Lord willing, not many people that are on this podcast today will be able to relate to that. I can relate to it, but in a mild way. Um, Not a full out stalking event, but just someone who consistently reappears in my life And I don't think they are going to do me any physical harm, but the fact that they continue to appear is disconcerting. 
I cannot imagine being Dave in David's shoes. I know of people who have lived year after year after year with someone persistently stalking them to kill them. It's one of, has to be one of the most terrifying experiences that we can face. And it's not just, so when you think of stalking, I didn't really plan on going into this as much as I am right now, but if God's leading me there, I'm going down that road. But a lot of times people think of stalking and they think of it just as a male crime. And it does happen the majority of time when it is a male pursuing a female, but that is not always the case. So there was a show a few years ago. I don't know if it's still on. It was a 30 minute show. And if I remember correctly, it might've even been named stalker. But one of the things, one of the particular episodes that I happened to come across was where a female had stalked a male and she ended up killing him. It is scary business. Absolutely. It's not only celebrities that are stalked. It's regular people who were just going about their business. Maybe they connected with somebody online. Maybe they met somebody even in a church setting. Maybe they went out a time or two and the person just had this overbearing attachment to them and refuses to let them be with anyone else. They, in their minds, have the delusion that that, that person was created for them. There are many different types of stalkers. Uh, I had planned on it, again, because I didn't plan on going down this road, but I'm going to put a link down below that will just give you information about stalking. I may as well help to educate even in the midst of this because David was being stalked. He was being hounded. Saul was after him. And we need to think about, so what emotions come along with that? Even though David was, a, he was the commander of Saul's army for quite some time. You're not talking about a chump here, but you're talking, he had, raised the ire of the king and the king had all sorts of resources. He had all sorts of trained fighting men. He was out to get David. Literally his whole focus was on getting David. So if you are David, what are some of the emotions? What are some of the thoughts and feelings that are going through you? Well, just flat terror. I mean, <laughs> is one of the ones that very much so could have been a part of his focus. Just confusion. You know, here he is. He knows he's supposed to be God's next king, but it doesn't look like it from a human standpoint. And there's just so much that he could have been trying to ponder in the midst of this. He's just said goodbye to Jonathan. And now David is going to spend 10 years 10 years on the run. A good portion of the book of Psalms was written during these crucial times in David's life because he was on the run. He couldn't be out in public a tremendous amount. He had seasons where he was, but then there were seasons where he was hunkered down. 
And he wrote from the depths of his heart in the midst of that, of just, God, why is this happening? You know, I just, I can't, I just can't believe this. You know, why are tears my food? What, like, he just, he just poured out his heart to God. He poured out his questions. He poured out his confusion. In this week's lesson, we're going to talk about the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 21 because to me, it has a theme from beginning to end. So he's just said goodbye to Jonathan in the scriptures, and we're going to pick up with 1 Samuel 21, and we're going to read through it. We're going to talk about three verses specifically because all three of them fit in with this mindset. This mindset of instead of trusting God, David resorts to trickery. So I have no idea when you're listening to this podcast. It could be any time of the year, but when it is recorded, it is two weeks away from Halloween 2021. And so I did not choose the title because of that, but it just seemed very just appropriate to think about as opposed to trick or treat trust versus trickery or trust or trickery in the fact that each of us have this challenge. I don't know what giant you are facing in your life this day or what giants you may have a stalker or you may have a big financial challenge. You may have a relationship challenge. We talked about giants. You can go back and listen probably, I guess now, maybe about two and a half, three months ago, where we went through an entire series talking about the Lord of Heaven's armies versus whichever giant. But in the midst of whatever challenge, whatever challenging giant that you are facing, there is a temptation to manipulate the circumstances instead of to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own, own understanding. There is this temptation that we all face to take matters into our own hands and manipulate the circumstances to accomplish the goal of ridding ourselves of the giant, avoiding the giant, overcoming the giant, whatever it may be. David is struggling. David is not focused on the Lord. Like we're going to see this in these 15 verses, you're not going to see him at all approaching God and saying, and just pouring himself on the mercy of God. Instead, you see him trying to manipulate the circumstances. He's lying, and then he lies not by words, but by a very dramatic uh, moment in his life in order to try to save himself. All of us struggle with giants. All of us struggle with the tendency to attempt to do it ourselves instead of trusting the Lord. So the weekly assignment feature, I'm going to tell you at the beginning, because I want you to be thinking about it as we look at the life of David, as David runs from Saul. 
So regarding your current giant, are you trusting the Lord to provide a way or attempting to manipulate one for yourself? Now let's look at how David attempted to manipulate the circumstances. So David is on the run. He has found out from Jonathan that Saul's out to kill him and he has taken off. David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. So the town of Nob was a place known for having the tabernacle at that time. And he knew that he would be able to find a priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone? He asked. Why is no one with you? So Ahimelech knows who David is. David is the commander of Saul's army. And David would travel with an entourage. That's just normal. And so Ahimelech is asking just a normal question like, why are you by yourself? This is where David begins. He begins his lying right here and there. The king has sent me on a private matter. David said, he told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. So, you know, just reading through commentaries, just trying to, to wrap my mind around this, one of, the, one of the thoughts is that David may not have been lying as much to protect himself, but to protect Ahimelech, the priest, from knowing what was truly going on. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have any evidence one direction or another beyond just the, the text itself. But whether I read it from the NLT or I read it from the ESV, it says the same thing. It, it shows that David used falsehood, used trickery in order to manipulate Ahimelech. So 4, verse 4, is Ahimelech. He said, we don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to go with, to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle, and it was just then just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Well, that doesn't sound real good, does it? The holy bread, it probably is just not for that just the traveler, is it? That's not what it was intended for, and you can go back in scripture and look at that in more detail. But we see Jesus himself. Note this particular instance in the life of David. He's not saying that what David did in order to get the bread was right. He's just noting that in this instance, this priest, he chose to reallocate the holy bread to take care of David and his men. He was providing for them. And Ahimelech was not trying to do anything wrong. So we've seen quite a while back, I don't know, when we were in the book of Judges, it would have been where the priests were not in any way treating anything as holy. They felt like anything was free game and for them to have. That's not what we're seeing here. The priest doesn't have anything else to give David, and he gives him the holy bread. 
So Luke 6, 3 through 5, it says, Jesus replied, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus had allowed his disciples to pick grain, you know, and and that was the context of it. But even he replied, he refers back to this particular incident. Not going to focus on that, but focusing on just the fact that, so David has lied to Ahimelech so far, and he just kind of embellishes it. It keeps going. Verse 7 is very important, and we will see it come up in a future lesson. What it reminds me of is if you're watching a TV show, and you see somebody in the background and they seem to be paying very close attention. And you know that more than likely whoever created the show, they have that person in that place for them to overhear something that is going to be used against the person in the future. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Verse 7, Now Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day having been detained before the Lord. So exactly what detained before the Lord means, again, it's in the NLT and the ESV both. I'm not exactly sure. We don't know exactly why he was there, but the fact that he was there and David is on the run from Saul and runs into somebody who has the ear of Saul and is able to tell Saul where David was located was just just not a good thing. Just not a good thing, as you know. But it's amazing that God, even in the midst of David tricking instead of trusting, God still is watching over David. Verse 8, David asked Ahimelech, Do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. Lie number two. So he's continued to lie. I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. The priest replied, It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. What? What? He went where? He went into Philistine territory. So, Goliath was the giant from Gath. And David, in order to escape Saul, has determined that it is a better idea to slip into the Philistine territory, that he'll be safer there in the enemy territory, the main enemy of Israel at that time, than to stay in Israel with a bullseye on his back. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about him being there, about his being there. Isn't this David the king of the land? Well, how interesting that they would say that. Um, David wasn't officially the king of the land. David was a high commander in the land, but he wasn't the king of the land. But the Philistines, I guess because of his military prowess, had realized just what a high position that he held. Said they ask, isn't he the one that people honor with dances, singing Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? If you remember, that's what stirred Saul up to begin with, was the fact 
that he was just not happy that David was being recognized in what seemed to be higher honor than him. David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? That verse 13, he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. So it wasn't very long ago that I was listening. I don't know if it was to a podcast. I don't know exactly what I was listening to. But who, whoever, whatever it was, the speaker was talking about this passage and was complimenting David on his ingenuity in this. And I just, that's not how I see this passage. And if I am wrong in seeing it, I pray that God will show me. But is he ingenious? Yeah, he is. But why is he not focusing on the Lord of Heaven's armies who can take care of him? He is resorting to trickery in order to escape. I I just have a hard time with that. And I'm not I'm not just beating up on David. Like I have a hard time with it because I fall into the same trap. And I do it even when my life is not in imminent danger as David's was. How often do we fall into that whole idea of instead of trusting the Lord to provide a way of escape or to provide financially or to provide relationally, we start trying to manipulate the circumstances and situations to accomplish what we think is the ultimate goal. This is David. This is David, the young man who stood before Goliath. This massive giant who had never been beaten. And David, instead of staring at the giant, he He notices the giant, but he looks to the Lord and focuses on the Lord of heaven's armies. But in this particular season, in my opinion, David lost sight of who had called him, who had protected him from Goliath, and who was going to exalt him to the king of the land. And he relied on, on his own ingenuity. What are you thinking? Like, how does this strike a chord with you? We've all been there. You know, David is not the only one to go through the ups and downs of trust and trickery. We all go through those seasons of life Sadly, for many of us, we spend the majority of our Christian walk in manipulation mode or make-it-happen mode instead of trusting the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength mode. Where do you stand right now regarding your current giant or giants? Are you leaning more on the everlasting arms 
Or are you leaning more on your intellect, your ingenuity, and trying to figure out a way? It's a tough question. It's one that causes us to have to look at our core. Because we don't like to think if we are trying to honor Christ, we don't like to think that we do not trust him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if we were to follow you around in your daily life, what would we see more of? Would we see you trusting the Lord in each and every circumstance? Or would you, we see you like David, resorting to trickery, resorting to manipulation, resorting to I got to figure this out. How can I, how can I, how can I, as opposed to hand to God, hand to God, hand to God. I just thought it was very interesting when I was just looking for some verses to add to our thought. I had a feeling that if I looked hard enough in the book of Psalms, that I would find a passage that shows David in that trusting category where instead of relying on trickery or his thought process and being um, a mastermind of military tactics, that we would see David trusting the Lord. Psalm 62 verses 5 through 8. That's exactly what we see. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge of rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. That's the David that we have come to know. And that's the David that we will see again. But on this particular day, we see a David who instead of trusting the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, was instead trusting what he could accomplish, what he could think out, what he could pull off, how he could use his tongue, how he could use his acting skills. Who knew he had those, but he had acting skills. He was using any trick in his box in order to escape, in order to eat, in order to get the sword of Goliath, in order to try to escape. Where do you stand today? Are you more in the Psalm 62 camp of David where you are trusting him? He truly is your rock. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He's your salvation. And you will not be shaken because you are going to focus on the Lord of Heaven's armies. Or are you trusting in what your physical eyes can see? And you are trying 
You are manipulating the circumstances. You are spending many sleepless nights, possibly, trying to figure it out. Am I stepping on any toes by chance? Lord willing, yes. Because... God's word says to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He doesn't want you to cast them and then go pick them out and say, well, I think I can handle these. He truly wants to carry our burdens. He truly wants to be your refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Will you let him? Again, this weekly assignment feature regarding your current giant, are you trusting the Lord to provide a way or attempting to manipulate one for yourself? May God open up your spiritual eyes and ears and help you to see with spiritual clarity, clarity exactly where you stand. Not where you want to stand, but where you truly stand this very day. So I thank you for tuning in. I am going to talk to you just a little bit before we go about a podcast app that I had never heard of until a couple of days ago, but someone that I very much uh, admire and knows a whole lot more about podcasting. It was an app that this person recommended. And so I've begun to listen through it. It's an app that is only available for those with Apple products, whether it be iPhone, iPad, or an Apple Watch. There are others that are comparable that you can find that are available for Android. But the app is called Overcast. Not a weather app. Uh, it is just called Overcast. And from this point forward, I will be putting the link to the podcast in Overcast as part of my weekly postings. I have been listening to a podcast for the last hour or so over that app, and it just has some options that other platforms do not have. It's a free app, but you are able to use it and customize it there. You can create playlists, but you can also create smart playlists. And it just, it you're going to be able to get to any podcast that's on, let's say, Apple, but you get to it through the Overcast app. So that information will be down below, as well as some information about stalking. Like I may as well take advantage of having the opportunity to share some of that with you. I've talked about that a year or so ago on my professional Facebook page. I spent some time on that and it was very enlightening. So I'll, I'll post some of that information down below. And again, I'd love for you to join our Facebook group. It's Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. And if you want to reach out to me via email with questions, suggestions, prayer concerns, whatever it may be, you can write me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. And as we say each and every week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>